VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What up, Fungal Associates? It's <laughs> Jaws Week. Yeah, I was like, where, where are you going? You got you to keep going on that. You really went boom. You know, sometimes you start something and you don't know, you don't have a, a plan. Yeah. Uh, but today our plan... I do that all the time, Alex. It's my go-to. <laughs> you are very good at winging it. I, I respect that. That's yeah, really nice of you to say. It's kind of a backhanded ins- uh, compliment. You're really good at winging it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I guess not really. It's like, yeah, you're really good at working on the fly. Yeah, sure. That's one yes. way to, to, to spin it. I guess I spin it in that nice way. Thank you. I, I take it as a compliment. <laughs> uh, it is. Case, today, Yep. on this Patreon episode, the Arboretum, we are doing a new thing. Yes, we are. This is a good one, too. This is our first episode of the fungal associated press. Yep. We this is a segment we do on our show sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh we wanted to do a whole episode devoted to articles about trees that people have sent us. Yeah. Or that we found and or that we have found personally. Yeah, exactly. Uh so some of these are from fungal associates and some we just want to talk about. I I love that. I cuz I love talking about some of these. Like some of them like were sent to me personally and others were sent to you personally. Yeah. Like, hey, you might be interested in this, uh, which I think is really good and it makes me want to share them on the show. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you're just not able to do that. So that's when everybody in the Arboretum gets a little extra, extra like, hey, you guys get some uh, right now. Here you go. We just recorded this today. Wow. That's right. This is breaking news. Yeah, but this technically, by the time you hear this, I think will have broken a week ago. Sure. Approximately. I mean, and that, yeah, that's that's old news yeah, then. Yeah, true. But, yeah. Uh, this is, uh, you have to dust off the old uh, floppy disks to get right. this uh, this article from early, late 2021. Yeah. We're going to mail everybody a, a legal pad with all this written down yeah, on it. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, thanks for supporting us. <laughs> uh, so, Casey, the, the, the subtitle of this fungal association Press. Yep. Is Tree Truths and a Lie. That's exactly right. We found some conspiratorial articles yep. regarding trees. And we're going to talk about those today. And then one that's not conspiratorial. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That sounds conspiratorial. Yeah, it's conspiratorial. And I told you earlier, sometimes you find the title first and you work backwards. And that's what we're doing today. Yeah. So we get to basically we're gonna go through and uh, we're gonna we're gonna read you three things and then I don't know should we try to figure out what uh, which ones are are the truths and the lies based on what we're reading or should we leave it up to the listener? I think we should just offer an invitation to a spirited debate in the comments. I agree. Yeah, I'll be involved in that debate. 
There you go. Okay. So we have, uh, should we just read the, uh, the names of these articles right now? Yeah. Give us an overview. Okay. So these are conspiratorial articles. We won't tell you where they're from until a little bit now. Now, this is the first one. A willfully misunderstood earmark can help reduce climate change heat deaths. Wow. Okay, there's one. I don't even understand the like the order of those words. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fancy journal, all right. I see. Here's the next one. Christmas trees burned by the heat dwindling the supply. I get that one. Followed up by everything about the great Christmas tree shortage is a lie. Yeah. We're gonna see which one's real, which one's fake, and which one is also real. <laughs> now, we do have a fourth one, but apparently it's uh, it's not exactly uh, related. So, But we do want to do, uh, what, tree truths and a lie. You know what we'll Sounds do? Like three, right? You know what we'll do? Here it is. Yeah. So we'll, we'll go over these conspiratorial uh, uh, conspir- conspiratories. Yeah. <laughs> God. And then... You know how on the on like the nightly news yeah. they'll have like a little tagging uh, segment at the very end that's uh-huh. like, and to end your night, a little girl from North Dakota, <laughs> is a, and it's like this puff piece yeah, about like some little uplifting thing so they can pretend that they've done something good yep. for the night. We have one of those, and you know which one it is. It's the video that we have. Yes. Okay. But that that will wait. So uh, yes, of course, we could have talked about this before starting recording, but. Part of what you're paying in the Patreon, real stuff, is is the behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. You get you get the you see the cameraman, you see the the actual like the the boom operator uh-huh. in the video. This that's what you're getting right now. Yes, we're breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking right, right at the microphone. <laughs> okay, Casey, uh, start us off. All right. So our first story comes from Casey Clapp. Wow. Now, this is uh, this comes from a friend of mine who sent this article to me. Um, her name is Elena. She runs a tree care company here in town called Sweaty Betty Tree Care. If you want a good tree uh, tree care professional, Hi, highly highly recommend it. Yeah, just a delightful person. Um, so, this is the article Elena sent over. Uh, a willfully misunderstood earmark can help reduce climate change heat deaths. Now, this is from a small, um, a small little publication. A lot of people don't know about. It. It's called the New Yorker. Right. Uh, so the very first, um, the very first uh, paragraph I'm going to read because I think it is exactly what we're talking about. Uh, critics of President Biden's Build Back Better Act have signaled or singled out for mockery two words in the 2,000-page-plus roughly $2 trillion legislation. Season on the words, quote, tree equity, Freedom Works, a conservative advocacy group, told its more than 4 million Facebook followers, quote, the Democrats want all caps, you, American taxpayer, to shell out $3 billion, again, all caps, for, in parentheses, non-racist trees. Can I, can I interject and you just sure say can. something and yeah. we can move on? Uh, build back better act give a dog a bone (laughs) oh it's more yeah more like can we build a road (laughs) build back better act can we build a road (laughs) yes sir yes Yes. sir (laughs) yeah that's perfect um so continuing on house republican whip steve scalise i think is how you say his name tweeted uh quotes dems far left spending bill exposed colon 2.5 billion all caps of american taxpayer money for quote tree equity yeah rt which i believe he means retweet retweet so everyone sees exclamation point don't let them get away with sneaking this through (laughs) even 
the Times, which I assume they're referring to those of the New York style, ignoring its earlier reporting, uh, which has a link probably saying that they have good reporting on it, then says uh, they didn't seem to take uh, the issue seriously, running the headline complete with the scare quotes from electric bikes to, quote, tree equity, Biden's social policy bill funds niche items. Hmm. The story characterized funding for the initiative as one among dozens of, quote, obscure measures and special interest breaks. Wow. Well, they're using buzzwords to to make it seem dumb. Exactly. But why would you do it if you knew what they were talking about? I guess I can see the, the, the Republicans doing this because they're trying to, you know, anything that the Democrats do or vice versa, yeah. they're against, which That's is true. like fundamentally the worst way to run a run a nation. Let's just put that out there. It's a hellscape. It is a hellscape. Welcome. The second thing is that they say that the... Um, uh, that within this last thing, it's like an initiative. Uh, uh, what is it? They called it an obscure measure in special interest breaks, um, which is so so frustrating to me because the very next paragraph here they explain a little bit about what we're talking about. Again, everyone, we'll link to these uh, in our in in the post so you can take a look yourself, make your own judgments of if this is truth or not truth. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. What they're talking about, tree equity, is a line of, of uh, thinking that is related to the idea of uh, environmental racism. Now, you remember we talked about this a little bit, Alex? Yeah, it's the idea that uh, bl- demographically more black communities have fewer public trees planted. Yes, or, or more broadly, just that if there is environmental degradation or the lack of a nice environment or the mm-hmm. resources that comes from an ecosystem those services are less available to people in low-income communities. Yeah. Generally, those of people of color is how that pans out in the United States of America. So what happens is uh, places like Oregon, um, Portland specifically, which in the next, um, as they go through this article, they talk about Portland and the um, heat wave we had this year. Mm. And they say, well, you had several people die in the Lentz neighborhood, which is a small neighborhood that's of low income out in southeast Portland, way out on the end of Foster. That area had about, um, I think, what did they, they said several, I think three people died um, this summer um, wow. in during the heat wave. Um, and they compared that with the Markham Hill neighborhood, which is on the west side, hmm. um, kind of where the hospital is, way up in the West Hills, much more uh, rich community, um, where the trees shade more than 60% of the surface, nobody died. In the Lentz neighborhood, um, at least five of the 62 people died um, in that area. And that tree sh- or trees shade just about 10% of the land in that area. So that's street trees, trees in, the, uh, in parks, street or trees in private land, that kind of thing. And I just want to interject, uh, as we talked about in our European hornbeam episode that's in season right. one. Wow. A literal year ago. I... <laughs> uh, uh, the heat island yeah, effect. That's it. Well done. Is uh, that the more trees you have in an urban area lowers the uh, temp- the overall temperature. Yes, exactly. Not only because of shade, mm-hmm. but because of tree sweat. Exactly. That's basically it. They sweat uh, into the air. And collectively, they shade an area that that also collectively lowers the temperature. Yes. Precisely. So it's not like it's not like a tree gives shade and it's cooler under that tree. Yeah. It's the idea that 
a bunch of trees give a bunch of shade mm-hmm. and lowers the overall temperature of that that whole area. Precisely. Well said in every regard. Thank you. And so in this case, what they're saying is, and I should add a caveat, there's a lot of different things that come into that. Um, we also talked about... Um, uh, what episode was that? Uh, we talked about trees being planted on a certain side, like within London, where you get certain pollution that comes through. Oh, Shoot. I believe that might have been the American chestnut. You might And be it wasn't right. in London. I think it was in like New York, like yeah. early, early New York. Mm, either way, yes. Yeah. We also talked about it, I'm pretty sure, at some point. It all runs together now. Yeah, it truly. Um, I got to write this stuff down. That's what I have to do. I do everything on the fly. I actually don't do any research. I'm just watching videos <laughs> on my computer over here. We do record all these episodes. Yeah, we have a record. Yeah, I'll, I'll check them out. <laughs> anyway, so um, basically, uh, there's a lot of socioeconomics that come into where trees are planted, how they're growing, and who lives around them. Right. So in this case, though, um, it is pretty clear that you have more trees that's correlated with these higher income areas, fewer trees correlated with lower income areas, or which is also correlated with people of color living in that area. So what this bill does, the Build Back Better bill gives billions of dollars to plant more trees Yay. or to maintain trees. So it's funding to basically say, here's federal dollars to do something that is extremely simple. Mm-hmm. That is, if you put in a minimal amount of effort is likely to succeed in a really, really important way as infrastructure, which is something that I have tried painstakingly over the last five or six years to get people to really understand and kind of say is that trees the the urban green infrastructure that trees are to be considered normal infrastructure like everything else right it's not just let's just give it this term because it's it's kind of similar it's doing exactly the same thing Mm. it just does it in such a fundamentally different way that's not organized and engineered by a human it's hard to see you mean you mean normal infrastructure like bridges and roads and things exactly yeah when you trees is just another category in that yeah exactly so when you read the you know the infrastructure bill as they call it this infrastructure bill is including urban green infrastructure Mm. trees in this idea of what infrastructure is very cool that's what they're trying to talk about here so what is this a true story is this a true story that we're actually just trying to say let's plant three billion dollars for non-racist trees or are we actually doing something good planting trees to help reduce the racist impact that we've had from the past. Wow. Are they arguing that the trees themselves are racist? I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. Uh well what are what's the deal now? Do we do yeah. we take do we give our opinions on um, this? Yeah, we could. What's I don't your... know this is my first time doing this. <laughs> Let's do that. My opinion is they are the this uh these remarks uh of you know not surprisingly from these like conservative groups with facebook followers mm-hmm. um in the mid four millions and the uh house republican whip steve scalise steve scalise uh talking about the far left spending bill exposed 2.5 billion dollars of american taxpayer money for tree equity yes that's excellent that's a yeah. great idea like the the fact that they're saying we want to plant trees in communities that have been underserved that do not have trees we want the funding to do that because mm-hmm. we, people just don't do that for themselves or they can't mobilize people to do it they see it as a burden so 
if they if you read it the way the Republicans want you, it's just bullshit money and it's this tiny little special interest break for, you know, this niche thing. It's not a niche thing. No. Every every place in the world has urban trees. Some places manage them as such, like many cities in the United States. Mm-hmm. Other people just see that they have trees in their urban area. Yeah. It's the same thing. You just, one is passive, the other is quite actively managed. We actively manage them. So, the way that this New Yorker article is specifically doing it, they're kind of calling them out and saying, no, this is horseshit. And they go through and explain, here's what they're trying to do. This is urban forestry at its finest. Hell yeah. You gotta, you gotta fund that. Whereas the beginning, um, they, they're basically calling out the, the places saying, oh, here's how they're picking this apart and not giving you the full story. So that's what I think. I think it's. Uh, I think this one's real. Cool. I think. Uh, I think it's willfully misunderstood. What do you think? Uh, I agree one hundred percent with you. I think it's um, stunning and sad that this very clearly, objectively good use of money is like used as like a as like an attack. Yeah. Uh, by this lizard person steve scalise who forgot to change his lizard name (laughs) yeah he did if that's not a lizard person name i don't know what is yeah you can absolutely you can hear his like like snake tongue come out can't you Scalise. oh my god is he speaking parcel tongue (laughs) i'm impressed you know what parcel tongue is thank you alex i am uh i'm pretty cool yeah obviously like with this needs to happen and it's good that it basically I, i think as far as i know the status of the build back better act is is that it will become law? Yeah, uh, and and it is seems like a boon. I also believe that's the case. However, I believe it's still uh, at this moment has to be passed by the Senate. Yes, they're a bunch of douchebags. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Nothing good ever happens in this country, so I'm skeptical. Yeah, right. Uh, Casey, Alex, what do we got next? Our next tree truths and a lie mm-hmm. is from CNN Weather. Oh, wow. I don't know if I can believe CNN Weather ever. Possibly the most reputable source on uh, uh, climate issues. Yeah. CNN Weather. Exactly. Did you know who uh, who owns CNN? I don't know who owns CNN. Yeah, Al Gore. For real? No, no, probably not. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I believed you. I know so I little know. about the world. I was <laughs> that's, like, that's why I didn't want to take advantage of this uh, this moment. And be like, yeah, <laughs> did, absolutely. You did look like I I caught you in some nefarious act. <laughs> it was more that I was like, well, that joke sucks. <laughs> uh, okay, headline: Christmas trees burned by the heat, dwindling the supply. Mm-hmm. Wait, really fast. The last article, this willfully misunderstood earmark. Yeah. Uh, the author of that article. Yep. James Ross Gardner. Oh. Hmm? Is that special interest? Is that? (laughs) (laughs) Of course he wants trees. (laughs) Just look at his name. Uh, James. James, yeah. James is a very tree-related name. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. It means of the trees in Latin. That's right. Yeah. And I think his his middle name, Ross, is uh, Hebrew. Yeah, for rocks. For rocks. Yeah, that's a fact. So his name is basically Trees Rock Garden. Yeah, Wow. Honestly, I'd I'd vote for him. Christmas trees burned by the heat, dwindling the supply. For a state that produces more Christmas trees than anywhere else in the country, <gasps> Oregon Christmas tree growers yeah. are struggling after Mother Nature put on a show in 2021. Mm, is that how we're describing that? All right. That's so how we, this is describing yeah, it. Yeah, we can at least, uh, yeah, continue. I'd like you to continue. I was just going to say, I, would, I, I think that... Um, 
Mother Nature putting on a show in 2021, that is a fact. We can agree with that. Oh, God, yeah. However, I don't like the the flippancy with how it's said. Yes. Uh, It's a little... It's a little, uh, yeah, flipping is, is the best describer. Yeah. Oregon produces roughly 40% of the nation's Christmas tree supply, according to the National Christmas Tree Association, mm-hmm. the NCA, NCTA, Casey. Yeah. A trade association representing hundreds of tree farms and other affiliated businesses. Hey. Pro- probably getting some of that niche money from this bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of that skelly's money. <laughs> uh, Casey, we got to get on this. We got to get on this. Uh, this trade association. Yeah. I think, yeah, we should, we should start our own trade association. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how do you, I guess you just get a website, ask for money and have people join you. I think we morph, uh, arbitrary media LLC into a S corp or whatever. Yes. Oh my God. This past summer's heat waves have resulted in losses of Christmas tree crops as well as an increase in prices. That doesn't sound, I don't, I'm not believing this. This is a quote. I had 30% mortality, but every single seedling is damaged without question, says Tom Norby, Mm -hmm. who owns Trout Creek Creek Tree Farm and is trying to overcome one of his toughest years. Norby is the president of the Oregon Christmas Trees Growers Association and says those farms across his state have experienced a total loss, period. Wait, what? No. no. It says some farms across the state have experienced total loss. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, they use Squarespace, uh, the Oregon... Christmas Trees Growers Association. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they should have thought about changing that. We're in good company. Let's see here. Okay, Oregon, Clackamas County. Okay, uh-huh. 503. Okay, okay. Retail, wholesaler, about. No offense, this website sucks. It's not a good website, but I wanted to look at it because uh, the last time I almost got caught, uh, you remember at the end of last season, uh, or just, uh, sorry, you'll remember at the end of this season, uh, <laughs> got caught. It's <laughs> like I did there, <laughs> getting timing off. I got caught in a uh, bit of a trade association uh, pr- propaganda scheme. What is this? Uh, well, little spoiler. We talk about. Oh, don't even. No, no, no. Don't do it. Don't spoil. Anyway, cut well, this hold out. on. Maybe we should spoil. This is going to our Patreon. People who pay to get spoilers. Hey, you guys. Spoiler at the end of the season, we're going to talk about chocolate. That's right. And. I went to a chocolate association website and then read through and I was like, oh, chocolate's in a good place. And then I immediately went to another website. Mm. They was like, don't believe anything on that website. Yeah. That's that's all shit. And then uh, we talk about it in the show. Kind of the same pattern as these two articles we're talking about here today. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, So, Casey, what do you what do you think? The. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the 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 heat is ruining the Christmas tree uh, yeah. uh, industry. So I I say that this okay. So basically, there's two parts of this. One completely true. I yeah. agree with this. Totally. It's very true. Um, I I saw this driving around this last summer. You just go through the countryside, and there's a bunch of Christmas tree places all over in Clackamas County, mm-hmm. the center Central Valley. They were literally toasted wow i mean destroyed yeah every single tree was this little brown you know little cross sitting there damn whole thing just roasted by not a fire but by the sun itself right although the picture in this thing makes it look a little bit like fire like it looks like there's smoke on the ground uh from this article so i think it's a little bit of a dramatic photo um however that's a red flag right there yeah total red flag yeah a little bit dramatic this is the problem though this is the problem um yes was this supply going to be used this year, Alex? Shh. 
No, probably not. Takes seven to eight years for a tree to grow yeah. to maturity. These trees, most of the trees that got destroyed this year, were 100% not even big enough to survive. Mm. It, like anything. They were teeny tiny little trees. Normally, you plant a little tiny Douglas fir or another tree native here. They just they cook. They just do great the whole time, the yeah. whole uh, the whole year. Um, so you stick them in the ground. You let them grow. This year, they stuck them in the ground. They started growing, and then 116 degrees later, and they are literally torched to death. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Replant in July. Replant right now. Those trees will be one year behind in terms of growth. We should have enough supply that is already old enough to to make up for that. So the older trees survived the heat wave. Yeah, and you probably had certainly some uh, response in Burnt terms of those trees. And yeah, things. exactly, which is fine. But yeah, do you know what happens. they do at the end of the year every year anyway? They just shear those trees within an inch of their life. You ever got a Christmas tree at a Christmas tree farm? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know how they're like these perfect, perfect cones? Yeah. Trees don't grow like that. They shear, they, so, wow, Casey. Alex, they come in and they shear that every year, or at least after a certain period of time, they shear them and they like pick a certain leader and grow that one straight up, even if the tree has one or not. Um, I actually had a friend, I dated her for a long time. She worked a whole summer on a Christmas tree farm, just straightening the tops of the trees and like tying bamboo to them. Wow. And, uh, they, this thing, um... They come through, they shear them, then it grows back, then they shear them, then they grow back. So you get this tree that is like perfectly conical. So it has this this like uh, epitomized sort of view of what a Christmas tree should look like, mm-hmm. this exact triangle. I hate it. I just think it looks so awful. Yeah, they don't grow like that. Yeah, they don't grow like that at all. They have genetics in these trees to make them grow a certain way. So they're kind of a little bit smaller growth mm. so that they stay a little more compact rather than if it's a normal tree in the wild you'd plant it it would grow up like up by a foot but there'd be no branches in that foot space where it grew up it would have like a a whirl of branches grow up a foot another whirl of branches and grow up because that's kind of how it's growing really fast so they want them to grow a little bit slower takes about seven or eight years to get up to the right height Uh once it gets to that right height the tree has been sheared so it sends out more more growths all the time because you cut off the buds so the side buds have to pop does that make sense? Would you say, yes, it does. Would you say that Christmas tree is like a variety of Douglas fir? Ooh, yes. It would be a cultivated variety. Yes. A cultivar. Yeah, it absolutely would be. I'm sure there are exact genetic things like, this is the best cult- This is the best Christmas tree, compact growth, looks like this plant, these trees. Very interesting. Yeah. So, yes, but this, my take on it. Yeah. Christmas trees burned by the heat, dwindling the supply. This would be dwindling the supply for 2027, 2028 Christmas. That's a really good point, Casey. Yeah, which by then, we have so many acres of Christmas tree farms, we could probably plant some right now, and they would be about the same size by then. Or we could, uh, we have enough supply that's already still growing that can come back and then provide that that lack or provide that... uh, the fill that void in the future. It is bad. You plant a whole crop and the whole thing goes to hell. Well, yeah, you, we lost something there because this is now, this is a, a low point uh, in the graph. That low point is always going to stay there. You can't, we can't go back in, in the past and replant that low point in our graph here. That's always going to move forward. So there's always going to be fewer trees this crop year as it moves forward. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. 
We have this article yeah. claiming that, and the headline, which to a lot of people is the article. Yes. Certainly me. Sometimes I just read the headline. I I'm say, like, well, oh, I know a thing now. Yeah, right. Christmas trees burned by the heat, dwindling the supply. Mm-hmm. Now, what? And then we come in and you give us some good data. Yeah, maybe a little context. Mm-hmm. So what is the angle of this article? Mm. Is it... So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think out loud here. Yeah, please. Is it fear-mongering climate change? Mm-hmm. And, then I, and, then I, and then I think, well, good. We should be fear-mongering climate change. It's fucking scary. Yeah. And we need to do something about it. But it's also uh, maybe a little bit uh, misguided mm. reporting. Yeah, I, I feel like it is. It's a little bit of a sensational thing because yeah. they don't give the context of like, it makes you think that now there's fewer Christmas trees today. Right. Which there probably is not. Like this year and next year yeah. are bad. There could be, maybe, but I, I don't think that that's quite the case. Also, who cares? They died this year? Wow, well, okay, that's fair. It's, it's an important, uh, it's important resource. People do this. No, I mean, who cares about dwindling Christmas tree supplies mm. in the big, just a big picture. I'm talking yeah. like All right. the scope of the The, uh, the, the scope earth. of the world. Yeah. yeah. The earth is like, what's Christmas? Yeah, get a fucking, get a fucking fake one. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I hate those. It'll stay in the landfills for decades, centuries, millions of years. All right, Disgusting. don't high road me. Get a get a compostable <laughs> right, fake sorry. one. Yeah, get a compostable tree, a normal actual <laughs> tree that <laughs> smells like a tree. Yeah, <laughs> I want one that gets sap on my hands. You yeah, know, when you touch it, it's like lab grown meat. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell the difference. Yeah, exactly. That's what we want. I want a lab grown Christmas tree. There you go. Well, it, as it turns out, yeah, I, I think it's also a little fear mongering in terms of um, Christmas is ruined by climate change, right? You know, which is great, and I think they actually say that down here in the bottom somewhere. Yeah, it, it, Norby at the very end of the the thing says this is a global warming event that's impacting Christmas, <laughs> and that I think is really what it should be like. That global warming event impacts Christmas. That should be what it is. Yeah. I mean, we don't even get white Christmases anymore. Not that we ever really did here in the Great Pacific Northwest, but it's very unlikely that we're ever going to get one again just because it doesn't snow and doesn't get near as cold as it normally would be. And I think that's really what we got to say. Like, hey, do you remember all those traditions that you loved? Mm. Not anymore. Can't have a fire on the woods anymore because by the time June comes, everything is already probably on fire. Okay, so this is making me think, you know, CNN and Fox, I, I see as like two perfectly opposing forces. Okay. Targeting the same age demographic, mm, but different yeah. sides of the political spectrum. Okay. Yeah. I don't like CNN. Yeah. Almost, I mean, I, I don't like Fox more, yeah. but I don't like CNN. I don't like Fox more. I, do, I, no, I no, dislike no. Fox more than I dislike CNN. All right. I but like, I also really dislike CNN. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I think they're as sensationalist as Fox. Oh, yeah. Everything's targeting a different. Always at the bottom, there's breaking news. Yeah. And it's like, well, whatever you're talking about is just normal news. Yes. In fact, it's probably less than normal news. You just have to take up your 24 hour news cycle. <sighs> exactly. Well, there's, uh, there's so. But I think, I think maybe this is trying to, maybe this is, tar- maybe this is an altruistic article targeting boomers who don't believe in climate change but are also uh, left wing <laughs> yeah left wing left wing atheists yeah who believe in climate change are going to latch onto this to mm-hmm. convince their center right christian relatives mm-hmm. 
that climate change is real. It's all calculated, my oh, man. Oh, these people. Oh, this, my God. Eye-opening. Who wrote this? I got to give uh, them credit. Let's see. Oh, the algorithm. I was like, holy shit. It's James Ross Gardner. <laughs> oh, sorry. I stepped on your joke. <laughs> it's, it's <all> right. <laughs> With my own. We got it. We, we're going to get there. This, uh, is, this is Jennifer Gray, a <clears throat> CNN yeah. meteorologist. Jennifer's got bona fides. Yeah, she's a meteorologist. Yeah. Uh, Casey, let's move on to article number three. Mm, all right. Let's do it. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. K-R-O-N-4. Oh, Cron 4? Cron 4. Oh my gosh. Uh, which I believe is a San Francisco uh, small network. Okay, uh, I just I just like it every time uh, Hannah talks about corn, she says cron, and, and I think that's really funny. So this this I think is just a mispronounced corn for corn for yeah Kansas news exactly. This, that's what this really is. This is actually yeah. Never mind. There's more conspiracies here. Uh, this one's this one headline: everything about the great Christmas tree sorted. Sort. I'm not going to edit this, but I am going to restart as if we are. Everything about the great Christmas tree shortage is a lie. <gasps> Boom, this is by Alex Martishu. All right, Alex. Uh, Casey, you want to take it away on this one? New Next Star Media Wire. What is that? I don't want to click on it. I'll click on it. All right, Alex, you got better things than me. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read through this. Next star, that's where they are, whatever that means. You remember the great Christmas tree shortage of 2020? No? Well, perhaps you recall the shortage of 2019. What about the 2018? What about 2017, Alex? Reader, dear uh. reader. You get the point. Every year, someone warns you, hurry, or warns you better hurry out to the nearest tree lot or Home Depot because it's supposedly going to be hard to find something to put those Christmas presents under. To figure out what's behind this never-ending tree supply issue, we turn to the experts at the National Christmas Tree Association. Wow. To be clear, we were just talking, uh, or hearing from Mr. Norby, who is the president of the Oregon Christmas Tree Association. Right, which is a branch of the... I, I assume it's a branch. It, honestly, Pun intended. It's, yeah, exactly. It's the biggest branch because, as we also learned, Oregon grows 40% of the Christmas trees. Right. And we should know that. Doug Hundley, a spokesperson for the trade group, set the record straight. The shortage talk has been going on for the fifth year now, and those of us at the NCTA have tried to put water on the fire, but it just doesn't work. Hmm. You think they're trying really hard for that? You think they're like there's hmm. a fire and they're just like taking like you know those you know like the amount of holy water that they they put on your face like they kind of spritz yeah they dip their fingers in trying to do that it's, I feel like that's what they're trying to do and on, he like, presses a good bonfire. press yeah exactly and also it's like hurry go buy all of your Christmas trees right. now you think they're gonna be like no stop don't run to buy our product <laughs> just walk there's plenty to go around absolutely uh, not Lord yeah I can't see that that. Uh, Pepsi Cola would be like, uh, you know, if someone says we're running out of Pepsi, quick buy all the Pepsi you can. Yeah. You know, toilet paper supplies during the pandemic. I did not hear Charmin being like, no, no, no. There's plenty to go around. <clears throat> yeah, Coke will never admit that it causes cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, what? 
It's not a perfect analogy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's Diet not aspartame cause is, is carcinogen. Is it? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know that. Well. I don't drink Coke anyway, so that works out. There you go. That's right. There is no nationwide Christmas tree shortage, Hundley said. So why does everyone keep saying there is? It's because between 1995 and 2015, there actually or there was actually an oversupply of trees, Hundley said. Wow. Now we're getting somewhere. People who were very accustomed to seeing hundreds of trees on the lots all the way through Christmas Eve and even on the week of Christmas, that uh, is not a good sign for us. Of course, he explains it wasn't that it wasn't that demand was going down. We had just planted lots of trees. So the demand has always been there. And now the supply was too much. Right. The overabundance of Christmas trees meant farmers couldn't raise prices. That made profit margins margins slim. So Hundley said many family-run op- operations were shutting down. Then the Great Recession hit and many cash-strapped farmers decided to plant fewer trees. There you go. That's it. Fewer trees. That's the shortage, wouldn't you say? Mm. Christmas trees take at least seven, eight years to grow before they can even be sold as a young tree, Hendley said. That's why people started to feel the effects of the 2008-2009 recession a few years ago. Hundley admitted there are fewer Chris, uh, trees uh, in Christmas lots than there were 20 years ago, but said that's a good thing. There's less waste as supply better matches with demand. Hmm... I don't know about this, Alex. What do you think? Uh, I just don't like this article. Yeah, I mean, it's another sensational kind of article. Even the headline's really bad. Yeah. Well, I'll finish these last two paragraphs. We'll get through it because it's so gush dang short. There has been a change in the supply of real trees the last five years, but we do not, this is all in quotes, by the way, we do not characterize it as a shortage because we don't believe that any community is going without real trees to choose from or that anybody is going without a real tree if that's what they want. While a tighter supply line has a better thing, ah, why a tighter supply has been better for uh, a better thing for growers, Hundley admitted it means rising costs for the customers. Something he said was long overdue after about 20 years of stagnant prices. In 2014, the NCTA logged the average price of a Christmas tree around $60. Yeah, a little, a little much, Alex. Now, Hundley's not you. Sorry, I was speaking of. Uh, uh, Al- oh, Alex uh, Martucho, yeah, yeah, because that that pun was written in there. Of course, everyone knows that. Uh, now Huntley says he wouldn't be surprised if uh, it's somewhere around ninety dollars. Which, Christ. as a trade group that doesn't know the average price of a of a thing now, yeah, a little bit dubious. That number varies greatly depending on where you live. He said. So in Oregon, <clears throat> we probably have a lot more, so it's a little bit less. Sure. I bet you, if you were in Tucson, Arizona, you probably have pretty expensive Christmas tree prices. Yeah. Well, Alex... You know, I was standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Were you... Uh, uh, the young woman drove by in her truck. <laughs> I said, uh, uh, oh, my Lord, that's a something Ford. Flatbed, I think. Uh-huh. If you're, as I recall you telling me this story. You're right. And then she slowed down to take a look at me. What? And I took a look in the flatbed, and there was a Christmas tree in there. Wow. That's I never knew that was a Christmas song until I, just now. You know, I really, I really regret starting that because once you start something like that, it's hard to know where to end it. <laughs> Usually, just go through the whole song. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy. Yeah, right. I'm gonna take it real easy. <laughs> it's one of my favorite cover songs to play. I love, I no, love singing good song. that song. I mean, the Eagles are quality. I love them. As it turns out, Alex, I believe that this one is not a lie. Okay. Here's why. I also don't believe there is a great Christmas tree shortage. I think that 
everyone's happy to say that there is, and they can all blame it, like, oh, yeah, they planted less. Certainly, uh, there's probably been... During the Great Recession, fewer you know trees were planted. But the Great Recession also didn't like, as far as I know, I mean, I, I should believe these people. They're the trade group. They know more than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure plenty of uh, places have gone out of business or have changed hands or done something. Usually, they turn their places into a new, uh, um, a new development or something like that. Mm. However, uh, that's just this is just the market making things happen, which sucks because I hate the the free market capitalism that turns Christmas tree farms into really shitty developments. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather have the Christmas tree farm. Would I rather have something else there? Yes, but it wouldn't be a development, probably. Also, thinking now, you know, Christmas tree farms are good for the environment. They're way better than you know a paved over uh, landscape with houses that are all McMansions jammed next to each other, planting yeah. nothing but calorie pears. Yeah, I'm getting worked up. But I think in this case, uh, this is this one's true. I think it's true because they looks like manipulated the market. Yeah, I think it's a lie. The shortage. They want you to think there's a shortage. They are like a cartel yeah. right now. They're saying, "Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! If we just don't plant as many trees, then in eight years." everyone is going to make more money on fewer trees Mm. because that's how supply and demand works. Less supply, higher demand, raise the prices. Right. That's how you you make it happen. They literally said as much down here. They're like, oh, well, actually, fewer trees is a good thing. Less waste. No one cares about waste. Like, if they don't, if they grow a bunch of trees, the number of tree that you plant... That's like your initial investment, right? You have mm-hmm. to pay taxes, but a lot of times there's tax incentives uh, where you're not paying like huge high taxes on forest land or like cropland like this. This would be considered probably a crop. But, 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 but you plant all your trees. Now you're making money off those trees. You're just sitting there waiting for them to get big. When they all get big, you want to sell as many of them as you can. You sell 100%, you've made a great margin. If you don't sell 100%, then all of a sudden... You lose, you, you're not gaining money, but it's already a sunk cost. You're not losing any money on the trees that you've planted and let grow with nature. I don't think they irrigate half the time. And if they do, it's, it's not very often, mm. at least in like the late summer. Other than that, you just kind of let your trees grow. Anyway. I'm happy to, for you to take the lead on this opinion <laughs> because I know very little about one, trees, and two, the economy. Oh, I see. So okay. this this whole issue is sort of a non-issue to me. Uh, well, it's a non-troversy. It's a non-troversy. Well, I think Kron's got this one right. I think of uh, I think I would put the New York New Yorker article number one number one most accurate, correct yeah. reporting. Surprise, surprise. Exactly. However, <clears throat> number two goes to Kron. Wow. I think Kron, Kron gets this uh, because they read through this and said, everything about the great Christmas tree shortage is a lie. It should have a sub thing that says it's actually free market capitalism getting manipulated by a growers association and individual farmers. Yeah. So I'd watch that HBO series. <laughs> yes, you would. Yeah. So I think this, this actually like this is, um, it is capitalism, but they're manipulating the market by not planting as many trees. For the sure. same thing as what OPEC, the oil cartel does. They say, well, we're actually going to reduce supply of oil so that the price goes up. Mm. It's like, well, this is pretty, uh, that sucks. I, I'm, I'm happy that I guess you're making more money, but I don't know, just sell more trees. I don't know. Airlines do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, sorry, we have fewer flights, so you have to pay more for each flight. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Or they'll, they'll, even, they'll, even, uh, they'll even sell you a ticket and then later, like, uh, 
say that they don't have room on the plane. Yeah. Like they'll delete pl- seats off the plane. They, they oversell the tickets. Yes. Yeah. Assuming someone's going to end yeah. up canceling. Yeah. Well, it's a little, it's a little bit too bad. I don't like it that much, but I guess that's the way it is. I prefer to either get a real Christmas tree um, or go find one out in the woods. Yeah. Because you can get permits to do that. Agreed. And you don't want to over over get in a certain area because then you you like cut down trees and then you have no new trees coming up. But sometimes that's uh, not a big deal. Sometimes it's a huge deal. Well, Casey. Anyway, we end go. our our evening. Yeah. With a video that at first made me gasp. Yeah. And then it made me sick to my stomach. <laughs> And then it made me, hmm, ponderous. Yes, quite. Uh, this is a video that was found, that was sent to me by friend of the pod, Mark Van Warmer. Yep. Uh, it is, so, okay, it's on, the, it's on a subreddit. Damn, that's interesting. Damn. Uh, and it is a video, a TikTok, of what appears to be a man chainsawed into a tree kind of a wedge shape into this tree. Yeah. They call that a face cut. A face cut. Give it a good old face cut. Yeah. Uh, And there is a, what I would describe as a waterfall of brown water coming out of this face cut. Uh, Just absolutely gushing. Yeah. Um, Casey, you, you kind of investigated this video. It's, it's, it's said in the comments that or someone told me oh oh friend of the pod hazel daniels mm-hmm. um told me that it was uh heart heartwood rot yeah and that it happens when the, the tree is really stressed and decaying mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. casey you investigated a little bit yeah. what do you think is happening here so this eminently fascinating like quite interesting um damn that's interesting yeah i would take that where you have a literal like you cut into a living tree and then water just bursts out yeah wild like you cut its carotid artery yeah exactly it looks like you literally just drain this tree of its sap and they made uh first off a bunch of uh a bunch of jokes about Canadians saying, oh, that was maple syrup. And then Canadians also got in and said, yeah, that would be hilarious. That's mm. a good joke. So anyway, people like it. The, the water is like really poopy brown. People would be like, mm, does that smell bad? Yes. That was my first thought. Yeah. Inevitably it does. I'm sure that it smells bad. What do you think it smells like? Honestly, it probably smells like an anaerobic situation. Like um, imagine like pond water. Uh-huh. I think it smells like that. Like scummy. Yeah. Rotten. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Where there's like uh, a bunch of stuff that has, that would have been decaying kind of normally, but then gets thrown into a pond in that an anaerobic situation just means there's no oxygen. Oh, okay. So it basically ferments in a way that, oh. um, creates all these really horrible smells like the acridness that you usually get from a pond um whereas if it is a um an aerobic condition then it would smell more like compost you know like a really good well done compost kind of has this sweet kind of like nutty aroma to it gross uh yeah you got to be into compost i guess if you're into that <laughs> um but that is the aerobic conditions where bacteria is breaking it down not in a fermentation kind of way i see um so what's happening in this and we got to definitely show this to people so we'll post about it of course um on our tiktok <laughs> yes <laughs> i have something to talk to you about after this oh no i'm starting go. a tiktok shit uh yeah we well, can find all of these articles and videos yeah. on the 
Patreon post for right. this episode. So there's two ways. So when I first saw this, I was like, okay, I know exactly what this is. And then I watched it, I was like, oh my God, that's so much water. So sometimes trees can have a pressure, a, a pressure deficit between the water in the ground that's getting sucked up by its roots and water that is... Um, growing or that it's pulling up into into its canopy mm. so you literally have water that's like going up the tree so i've one time drilled into a tree then pulled out a uh, core sample which leaves like a basically a pencil size hole in the tree yeah so that showed that there was a legitimate like a little tiny spurt of water just kind of started coming out of wow there. that water probably was coming from the wood itself where it was a cottonwood or it was, no it was a, an elm tree notoriously wet trees hmm. and you can cut into a tree and have it like actually start pushing out sap from from the the stump you cut it down water will emit from the stump because there's so much pressure in the ground pushing water up through wow. the roots and then um that is super common. It happens pretty often. In this case, though, this is a tree, and it looks like um, they said it was a sweet gum in the uh, in the video. The one of the arborists who's doing the cutting was like, "Well, sweet gum." I tell yeah. you what. So funny people. Um, however, the thing with it is they uh, as they cut into it, there's clearly a big hole in the middle, and that's what um, is as Hazel was talking about. Yeah. What uh, Hazel was referring to is when the center of a tree gets decayed, mm-hmm. it, when it's in the center, it's usually what they call heart rot or heart decay right? Um, or heart wood decay because as you go in from the outside of the tree in, you get the, the bark, the cambium, sap wood, and then the heart wood. Right. The heart wood decays and in this case whatever happened who knows why it did it this tree the whole entire center ended up decaying out Mm. because that entire center decayed out apparently and i looked closely to see in this video if there is a um if there is exactly like uh, if the water looks like it's coming down or if it's boiling up because if it's boiling up, it's oh. like, well, then maybe the tree like accidentally tapped into a, a bit of water, and that water has somehow found its way, and then if there's pressure in the ground, maybe it's a spring that this tree has somehow grown on top of. Water could come boiling up out of that. Interesting. Just by pressure from the ground and groundwater, which is how wells and springs work. Were you able to see where that water was coming from? It, yes. It looks like it's coming from the top. It does. It looks very explicitly like the water is actively coming down. And the guy in the video is like taking a stick and like yeah. pulling stuff out. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, there's no reason for you to be like digging stuff out. It's a, it's a sieve. The thing is just pushing water out but it makes sense if the water is coming down Mm -hmm. then stuff is going to be coming down the tree with it and clogging it up yeah and so if you pull that stuff out then it goes then it comes out yeah so what I believe is happening here is that that area of heartwood all the way up the tree, and this could be, you know, who knows what's around this tree. We're only getting like the bottom, maybe six or seven feet. If this tree um, was say 70 feet tall, maybe 50 feet tall, then that tree could have a center of decay that goes all the way down those 50 feet. Mm. Imagine that is say like a, it looks like this tree's probably, I don't know, 20 inches, 18 inches diameter. Imagine if there's a six inch diameter pipe of decayed wood that is all the way up that tree and it's basically mush. There's just nothing there. Yeah. Whatever happened, who knows how, the trees just had this big, long decay column coming down into the center of the tree. Over all this time that there is uh, this decay happening, all that wood essentially disappears. It gets 
eaten by this fungus and it becomes an actual hollow cavity. That hollow cavity, over time, if there's a spot for water to get in, water is just going to go bloop and trickle right into there. It'll fill up that entire section of wood. Yeah. So you have this 50-foot-long, 40-foot-long pipe of just completely hollow um, wood. If it's not hollow, it could be so decayed that it just sucks up water to an extent that... Mm-hmm. Water just sitting in there. Give it some time to decay. Normally, it would be this anaerobic condition. Uh, if it's not an anaerobic condition and there's oxygen at the top, then you very well likely just have a normal pond developing. Like you could have had mosquitoes and things living in there for wow. years. Um, so when you cut it at the base, you're basically emptying that gigantic pipe of water that is filled up over, let's say, 10 years worth of rainstorms and snowstorms, water's just trickled in there and it just filled it up. Just like you leave anything out in the water, uh, in the rain during the Pacific Northwest winters, Mm. it's going to fill up with water. Do that for three or four years and you may get this entire thing filled up with, you know, 36 inches, 32 inches of water every single year. Wow. So then you cut into it and it all drains out, which explains while that stuff that's in there, it's old leaves that have decayed, it's old um, bits of wood that's decayed that's kind of falling around and you just kind of move it around. And it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's a pretty grotesque affair case. It totally is. But you know, the thing is, honestly, fine for the tree. I bet you that tree was completely healthy in every regard except for that gigantic uh, <laughs> bit of decay that's coming through there. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, is it safe for them to be standing next to it? Um, yeah, it looks like it because the amount of wood, like that center, this is why I'm guessing that this is maybe an 18 or 20 inch tree Yeah. because that center hole looks like it's only about maybe five or six inches wide. Like yeah. it's not really wide. There's a good six inches of uh, sap wood. Exactly, on uh, either side. Yeah. So no, that, that tells me that this tree only has a central column of decay the rest of it unless it's like bending in some weird way that we can't see it looks like it's more or less an upright tree so I would, I would bet it's probably okay would this tree be able to continue to would it compartmentalize that that face cut and just continue to live yeah if we just left it i've actually seen that on a redwood in person wow. and it had someone had tried to cut it and they just stopped for whatever reason <laughs> they were like uh, fuck this, this yeah huge. exactly and then it just grew completely over wow i've only seen that twice in my entire life do you reckon the tree would be healthier with all with Without all that that sepsis inside of it? Probably, yeah. It would be healthier, although it actually is kind of funny how it works out. If a tree is decaying like that, say there's a big cavity and it's filled with water, Mm -hmm. fungus is is an aerobic creature. Right. So if that water has filled up that entire cavity, as long as there's water in it, the fungus cannot live in that anaerobic condition without any oxygen. Sure. So that cavity won't decay any further because there's water in it. Now, there's other bacteria and things that would end up like eating away the wood over a really long period of time. Yeah. But um, it's not near as voracious. Uh, voracious? Voracious. Yeah, we're going to go voracious. Invasive and invasive and voracious. Exactly. It's like that. But in this case, uh, it probably wouldn't have affected that tree too much. The tree is probably barely even knew it was there. Okay, yeah, cool. Maybe it's a little bit heavy, but that's sure. about it. But probably wouldn't decay. Got a bladder full. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, anyway, what, Casey, a, what a fun fluff beef. Yeah. <laughs> I think it took more time than all the rest. I enjoyed talking about it more than the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, hey, thank you for joining us for this first episode of Fungal Associated Press. Uh, if you liked it, let us know. And go check out those uh, those things because they're really interesting articles to kind of parse through. Yeah, links to all these are in the uh, description of this episode. Yeah. And uh, hey, thanks for supporting the podcast. We really appreciate you guys. 
uh, especially here at the end of our, our first year, I'm, I'm getting more and more sentimental for these strangers who decided to give us money for Me content. Me too. I've always loved you guys. <laughs> uh, I just started. I ju- uh, <laughs> this is my first time. It takes a year of knowing Alex before he likes you. So. Yeah, I really got I got some I got some walls up. <laughs> uh, Case. We did it. Thanks for being here. Congratulations, uh, Alex. And uh, thank you for listening. Nearly our first year done. That's right. We'll have one more Patreon episode before the end of the year. Um, I think so, but I think technically it would be on the first because they Casey, come out on the first and fifteenth. This is our last episode of the year. This is the last one. Congratulations. We, should we have some poppers? Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, hold on. Pop. There we go. That's the sound. Yeah. Uh, also, tomorrow, if you guys listen to this, is our solstice celebration. That's so right. Everyone should go join it. If you're listening to this on the fifteenth. On the 16th, tomorrow, yep. we have our Winter Solstice Celebration. It's not too late to buy a ticket. I'm very excited about it. 15 bucks, and it's gonna. It's a beautiful... Uh, we have beautiful art by um, Leanne Flug. Yep. And uh, Kristen Best. And we got some brand new webcams that are beautiful, and we got some lighting kits. Yeah, so it's going to look good. We have some great content to talk about, and uh, we have a fun game to play. It's interactive. You can be a part of the game from the chat. And we're doing a live Q&A as well. Exactly. So if you've ever done a Q&A with us, um, this is an opportunity to have your question asked IRL. Yeah, and you can see, uh, and you can see me glancing at Casey to to give him a hint to to wrap it up so we can get another one in. Yeah, exactly. Which is something that that happens when we do our Patreon Q&As. It's great. And I don't I don't love doing it, but yeah. you know. Alex actually in the um in the contract for this, um I have written in I get control of when the show ends. Right. <laughs> you can stay on as long you can we you are all the starting and everything up to the button that says and broadcast. Yeah. So I can ask, we'll ask questions for as long as I want. That's true. Answer them rather. Nobody's, nobody's, uh, nobody's, uh, holding the clock to our face. <laughs> that old, that old hat, that old expression. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. They used to say that way back when. In the Navy. <laughs> anyway, let's get out of here. Close right. out this year with a bang. Thanks everybody for listening to Completely Arbitrary Arboretum. We'll see you next year. Au revoir. Goodbye. <laughs>